Welcome to Dare to be Seen. Join our host, Alyssa DiNapoli, a.k.a. Alyssa Vulpez, author, artist coach, and singer-songwriter, as she engages in down-to-earth, insightful, and inspiring conversations with female indie singer-songwriters, composers, and musicians. We shall discuss the lessons and personal stories of women who dare to be seen. Scratching beneath the surface to explore challenging truths, for deeper connections, and foster personal transformation. Get inspired, and if you enjoy the show, spread the word by subscribing and reviewing it. And now, let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Dare to be Seen. My name is Elisa DiNapoli, a.k.a. Elisa Vulpes, and today's guest is Rosie Bands. Now, Glasgow-born and bred, Rosie Bands has grown up on a vibrant diet of Alice Cooper, Bert Jansch, and the Spice Girls. She's a whirlwind creative force, has released six EPs, one full-length studio album, the latter generously funded by Creative Scotland. Hitting the fiery highs and self-reflective lows of human emotion, her repertoire continues to expand and pulse while her debut album, Identify Yourself, honed in on straight-talking topics of mental health and grief, in particular surrounding the loss of her own mother, Rosie now switches gears in a post-pandemic world for a different kind of rhythm, which she explores in her upcoming five-track EP, Flourish. Not shy in the realm of social justice, Rosie is committed to supporting the music industry, becoming a place for people to truly thrive in. She currently runs FaZe, an audio collective for women, non-binary folks and gender non-conforming producers. She's also co-founder of Songseed Songwriting Retreats, providing affordable and accessible online songwriting camps to artists of all abilities. Now, just before we meet Rosie, here's a short message for you. If you suffer from stage nerves and your anxiety gets in the way of your performance, well, it's time to discover the three secrets that will stop stage fright and allow you to perform with authentic confidence, even if you're not an extrovert. So I invite you to register today for my free Dare to be Seen Masterclass where you will discover how to magnify your presence and command the stage so you can perform at your best in front of a larger audience. Just head on over to tinyurl.com slash dare to be seen masterclass. That's tinyurl.com slash dare to be seen masterclass. And now, here's a guest for today. Welcome to the show, Rosie. I am quite excited to have you. You are full of skills and experience, and I can't wait to pick your brains today. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And uh, I can't say that many people uh, introduce me as full of skills and experience, but I will take that. <laughs> and I've just had my lunch, so I'm also full of food as well. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, um, you are a, a singer-songwriter, producer, you also do songwriting retreats, uh, you're very interested in social justice and uh, making the uh, industry, the music industry, a place where people can thrive. So there's a lot to talk about. Um, but first, I guess I would like to ask you just a simple question, which is about how you actually got into music in general. Wow. 
Wow, okay. Well, music's just always been a part of my life. And since, since like being a child, basically, from very, very, very young age, I always sang songs. Um, I was always making noises. And actually, I, I was really into the sound of music because my nana, my grandmother, would babysit me and and watch it. Like, we would always be on. So I knew all the words and I knew all the melodies. And I remember uh, getting a biro pen and, like, carving a piano, like, just lines, basically, into my chest of drawers in my bedroom. <laughs> Very naughty of me. And so when my mum and dad discovered it, I think, you know, when the uh, the initial kind of, oh my God, she's ruined a, a perfectly good pair of, or set of drawers, um, they, they went, well, we better get a keyboard then, right? So more so, so she doesn't go around wrecking the rest of the house. So yeah, I got a, a keyboard when I was super young, I was like five or six years old. And I remember going to Argos with my dad on Sucky Hall Street in the sex centre of Glasgow. And walking up uh, and, and getting this like tiny little Casio keyboard and I was so excited I couldn't even wait until we got home and I like begged him please 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 can we play it now and we got the batteries and all that uh, we bought the batteries with it and me and my dad sat in the middle of Suckerhog Street playing this little Casio keyboard and it is like one of my favorite memories and definitely a foundation like a fundamental memory of how important music was um, but yeah, I suppose from that too, my dad's a musician, he's a blues guitarist, totally self-taught, absolutely adores um, like uh, finger-picking blues, folk guitar, like Bert Jansch, uh, Davy Graham, all those guys from the 70s. So I grew up listening to him playing Vestapo and just playing all these like really cool blues folk standard guitar pieces and I was just enamored by it. I would sit in front of my dad down by his feet in my pajamas after my you know my bath at night time and he would just play guitar and I would just be like mesmerized so that's how I get started in music very much part of my life that's hilarious it's like it was just destined from the start <laughs> and uh, and you know how did you then um get into music production from being a I suppose a singer-songwriter, uh, I'm presuming. How did you get yes, into yeah. actual production? Because, you know, for unfortunately, um, for a lot of women, it's it's uh, kind of rare. You know, we are so we are used to seeing women playing the guitar, playing playing the piano, singing, uh, but not a lot of women are in music production. Um, so, how did you get started with that? I've always gravitated toward technology, and when I was in high school, so like even before I, I was a singer-songwriter or before I, I knew what I was doing with music when I was just in education. And I also want to preface all this with, um, I'm definitely very lucky and privileged that I had a, a family that could support that in me. Um, we're, we, weren't, we were a relatively poor family from Anderson in the city centre, but the, we had enough to, to, you know, to provide. And also secondly, that I went to a high school that had free music education and it's becoming less and less now in the UK that that's even possible. So in high school, we had like this DAT tape 
I don't know if you remember them. I'm 33, so this is like like way, way back in the early 2000s. This DAT tape, and I remember um, doing a course in school as part of the curriculum, which was music inventing, they called it. So it was just composition. And I was already getting some piano lessons in school for free, which was amazing. And I remember the day I found out I could play some piano and then using this DAT tape eight track recorder, I could play another line of piano on top or I could sing on top or I could just, I could just multi-track. And it was, it, I just loved it. I was like, oh my God, I can do anything I want with this. And um, so that was kind of literally the beginning of music production for me and realizing that this technology I can utilize this to explore it, the technology in and of itself can be a tool through which I can continue being creative and I'm no longer um, bound by the restrictions that just having two hands and one instrument gave me, you know. Um, so that was definitely the beginnings of technology. And then I upgraded from my tiny little Casio keyboard <laughs> to a slightly bigger Yamaha keyboard, um, which had inbuilt, it had like three tracks you could record. So it was like a, a little mini digital three track recorder, just inbuilt in this little Yamaha home keyboard. And I remember just spending hours and hours and hours like practicing parts, hitting the metronome, recording it in, deciding it wasn't in time, doing it again. and. And it really was a space that using this super basic technology right back then as well. And I didn't even really know what it was I was doing, but it lit me up and I was really, I really gravitated towards it. So moving forward from there, when I went to college after high school, I'd done music, I went straight to college in Glasgow to study music keyboards, specifically keyboards. Um, I was a performer and I was doing keyboard performance that my amazing tutor there, and I'd also went to an excellent college. It was North Glasgow College. I think now it's called Kelvin College, Glasgow Kelvin College. Um, but the lecturers there were, were just absolutely phenomenal. And I had a very supportive piano teacher who once he realized that I was really into this multi-tracking and I wanted to you know, do my own songs and write my own songs. And I just, I would chat about it all the time. He actually drove me into town uh, to go and buy my first computer, like my first MacBook, basically. So I literally went with my lecture so that I got the right one for the specs within my budget that I had and that I could, you know, open it up and just jump into Gary's band. And he really kind of helped me, took me by the hand with that. Um, and I was only 16 back then. So, yeah, that was definitely the beginning of music production in very commas for me it's always just been the one thing it's been a vehicle through which I can continue to be creative and express myself so it kind of like a bit up and down and round and round but that's how it all began anyways yeah and so when people sometimes you know think of music production it can become it can be a bit of a a, a word that they might not know what it means. You know, a lot of people go, yeah, but what is it? You know, <laughs> what does it actually mean? Um, and so how would you define the actual uh, being a, a music producer? I know it's a, maybe a difficult question, yeah. but... 
it is it's a great question it's a really great question and you're absolutely right a lot of people aren't too sure what it is or if they are one and for me being a music producer is that I am the person with the, the creative vision I'm the person that essentially has the objective in mind and knows where where I want this piece of music to go so whether that's live with a band in a music studio or whether it's just me on the laptop you know it's it's or or collaborating with an artist it's with an artist it's really interesting because the producer and the artist can very much work in tandem and in collaboration and together come to the vision and then it's the producer's job to do what they can with what they've got and with maybe the budget that the artist has got to achieve that vision so that's what I see it as and someone once made the analogy that a music producer is a little bit like a theatre director. So everything that's happening on the stage ha happens under the influence, guidance and direction of the director. So nothing's going on on that stage that the director hasn't overseen. And it, I feel like that's what being a producer is. It's a bit like that. Plus with the added addition of finance quite often, I think people don't think about it like that too, but being a producer very much means using what you've got to get to where you need to go and okay sometimes we you know we want to say oh I wish I had an extra hundred bucks to buy this or buy that instrument or hire that musician but if you don't have that the, it's the producer's job to say okay well now what can we use and how can we still achieve ultimately this this goal of this great song this great work you know so for me that's what a music producer is. Right and then when we go into mixing and mastering, right? Then usually we would think, well, that's the work of the music engineer, the mixing engineer. Uh, sometimes producers are also mixing engineers, but the opposite is not true. Is that correct? What do you mean the opposite is not true? Well, meaning, you know, a mixing engineer doesn't necessarily, uh, isn't necessarily a music producer, but a music producer often is also a mixing engineer. Is that mm. true? That's interesting. I would I would argue no, because and only because it's so fluid and it depends on each person. So, for example, um, pre-COVID, BC, before COVID, in the days before, um, I was working with a band and I was producing the band. It was my band. And so I would be in the studio in the live room with the band and most of them were all hired musicians, so session musicians. And I would have a very specific, focused vision for what I wanted each you know, part of the song to sound like, how I would like the drummer and the bassist to work together, for example, when I would be there. But then once the band left the studio, I would sit next to the mix engineer and we would work together on the mix. And then I would go home and I'd get a mix sent to me and then I would give back lots of revisions. And so I worked absolutely in tandem in collaboration with the mix engineer. However, now I do it all myself. So I write, record and mix and master a lot of my own work. So now I'm a producer and a mixer. But in the past, I was a producer and wasn't a mix engineer at all. So it's it flows. It's so fluid. And I really do think it depends on the work that you're doing in that moment, the piece of music and what that music needs. Because if someone wanted me to produce, I don't know, a genre that perhaps I wasn't 
entirely uh, say confident in mixing in but knew what I wanted to hear so let's say like like a heavy metal track or something I've got a lot of experience listening enjoying and being a real heavy metal fan with a little bit of experience of performing it if I was working with a band I would have quite a lot of visions I could understand where I would maybe want the track to go but there's no way I could sit and mix a heavy metal track right now with the skills I've got so I would need to pass that on to someone but if someone came to me wanting to work on a dream pop track or just a straight up pop track I could quite happily sit and mix that so yeah it's just finding your skill set finding where that Venn diagram is of where you're at and where the collaborators around you're at and how you overlap and what you want from it as well Mm. Right, that makes a lot of sense. That I guess that makes me a producer as well because I've been producing my own music for a long time. I just never thought I actually am, but um, maybe it's just you know the the old uh, "Am I good enough?" kind of uh, dialogue, you know. And um, I, I, you talk a, a bit about um, identifying and honing your own unique style as a producer um, in in our chat before our interview, um, I was wondering if you could, uh, you know, talk a little bit more about that. How do you, or how did you uh, find your identity um, and your own style? Um, Making a lot of music, for sure, number one. I think it can be very easy to think, (laughs) or maybe it's hard to think, actually. It can be quite challenging to just think, But I feel like we do a lot of thinking. And as soon as you take it from the realm of internal in the mind and you bring it to the external and you make it tangible, so you go off and you just make tons of music and you see the threads, the threads that run throughout all the music that you've made. Those threads are your identity. That is your musical, your sonic identity. it can be really hard to understand what that is if if there's just not a lot of music on the table. So that would be number one. I just, I wrote tons and tons of songs. I've released six EPs, one full-length studio album. You know, it's just, there's a lot of music I've made. And through doing so, um, yeah, you do, you, you just get to a space where you know what you love and you know maybe what you're, you're not so into. And also you appreciate when you make a lot of music all the time, you appreciate how changeable it is and how fluid you are as a human being. That the, the woman I am at the age of 33 was not the young woman I was when I was 23. Absolutely not. And thank God for that. <laughs> she deserves to just remain back there. Um, I think as most of our 23-year-old selves do, <laughs> in it, which a beautiful time of life, but it's just two different human beings. And okay, there's a thread that runs through all of our lives maybe like our value systems or, you know, just something that we do hold on to to feel grounded and identifying who we are as people. I think it's the same when you're a music creator as well. But you have to have a lot of life experience to know what it is that you believe in life. And it's the same in music. You have to write a lot of music to know what it is that you want to say and how you want to say it. Yeah, I would agree with that. When I was 23, a long, long, long time ago, I also uh, did not have a clue what I wanted, who I was. Um, just beginning to, to know that now. And also my music, you know, was did not sound nearly as good as, as what it, how it sounds now. Now, I know that you have... Um, 
you founded uh, this this group, this collective uh, of producers called Phase, and I, I do want to talk a, a lot about that. And I, I believe that this is to do with the fact that. Um, uh, women, there is not a lot of women producers, and so before we talk about phase, I, I want to ask you, what? Why do you think there's not as many women producers uh, as there are men? What's going on there? Um, wow, it's fast, and I mean, you mentioned something earlier about yourself, actually, where you said, "Oh, I think I am a producer now." That that you that you know, I just spoke about what I how I identify as being a producer and what it means to me. And then now you're thinking, oh, maybe I am too. However, the things that hold us back from identifying ourselves, quite often as women, there's a tendency to need to tick a lot of the boxes before we can actually put ourselves forward. And this is really apparent in, like, for example, the PRS Foundation's Fund for Music. They're open funds, and they found they were having a lot of men applying and not that many women applying. And it was difficult to kind of reach out and understand why. So by creating a brand new fund and just calling it the Women Make Music Fund and just actually making a space that is that is very um, explicitly for women, then so much more women applying. It's the same fund. It's pretty much the exact same pot of money. It's just been rebranded a little bit. So there is something in society that begs women to... Uh, feel the need for permission I think and I don't know I mean it for me I, I think it comes from the very beginnings like as soon as we're born we are there's there's different things attached to us based on our gender I mean people even have gender reveal parties even though that child hasn't hasn't actually lived anything yet so I think our, our our gender and what actually what people mean by that is our sex at birth there's a lot of societal norms applied to that sex. So then you, you start growing up and you're a little girl and you're a little boy and that's how the world treats you as such. So, you know, the little girl's maybe a little bit less encouraged to climb a tree, fall down and skin her knee, whereas the little boy can is allowed and maybe even more encouraged to be a bit more boisterous. And and all of, all of these, like, small um, but very important societal constructs I think when we become adults and women, it's, you can't, it's very difficult to shake them off or even identify them. So just like that little girl that was, you know, maybe discouraged to just be it, go out there and be dead loud and climb that tree and, you know, mess around, is now also discouraged a little bit from putting their name down and saying, I am a music producer and I deserve some money for this project because it's great, you know, and so... and. There's been quite a lot of research into particularly children and around the age of like five, six and seven when they start becoming very self-aware. So a child up until that sort of age, <laughs> you, they don't notice the difference between me and you and boy, girl, woman, you know, it's just everybody's just very, very similar and then um, becomes that stage of self-awareness. And that's unfortunately, I think, where we've got a big problem because we've got social media and we've got... We've got nine and 10 year olds on TikTok and um, TikTok itself and social media itself. And it's not just TikTok, you know, there's many other ones, but there's a lot of messaging in there. And the messaging, in my opinion, is, is problematic at best. And so I think it just all filters up. We're, 
we're all creatures of collaboration and communication. And these are communication tools that are triggering our dopamine responses. So by the time you are like in your maybe mid-20s and you want to take your music seriously, you've already got to battle against all these barriers to just stand up and just again, like that little kid, you know, we stand up and be like, I'm allowed to take up space. I want to do this thing because I believe I can. So for, for me, working with women and working in phase, something that comes up time after time again is confidence and the sense of like self-identifying, like calling yourself a music producer and, and feeling like that's the way you're allowed to decide. That's, I've, I've noticed, and I felt it too, of course, that that's difficult. And I want you also like preface all of this, all of the above with the fact that that's, I'm a cis, straight, white woman here talking and I'm talking about struggles that I felt and that I'm fully aware um, and, and trying my best to hold space for, for people who had e even been further marginalized than I am, you know? So with FaZe, that's what we're attempting to lay a foundation as much as we can um, to just create a space where anybody who feels like this outside world, the world outside phase, let's say, just has not got enough space for them that they can come into phase and there they can stand up and say, I'm a music producer and have people around that do nothing but support that and say, cool, great, that's brilliant talk you know so yeah yeah it's all conditioning isn't it I mean I remember being eight years old and, and reading uh, a book uh, that said basically oh women are uh, stupid and weak and and I was enraged I was like what but you know even though I was enraged it, it definitely shaped um, my consciousness I mean I still remember it and I'm you know in my midlife now and was it ever <clears throat> difficult for you to say, I am a producer? And if so, how did you overcome that obstacle? Well, definitely. I am um, very recently, actually, because of COVID. COVID has been this really, uh, it's a phenomena that's happened in society as well and in the music industry too. And for me, COVID, when the lockdown happened, um, I... I almost had loads and loads and loads of time because all my work was gone, all my gigs. I was a gig and musician for ever since of my whole adult life and all my gigs were gone. So, um, and I, I was very lucky to get some funding from Help Musicians UK. Um, thankfully, like really totally saved me in that moment. But they also allowed me to get a life coach so I started working with Sharon Stevens, who's a, a life coach. Um, and through working with her, I realised there was a lot of stuff I wanted to do in my career that I just hadn't done yet. But now I didn't have any of the, the hamster wheel uh, activities, you know, going and gigging and finding the next gig. And it was always very much about income as well, to an extent, that I had a lot of space on the table to look at, like, what do I actually want? in my life not even just as a musician but what do I want like what kind of lifestyle do I want and I felt like I'd never allowed myself to think like that before I'm from a very working class black background that's like 
my working class background pretty much dictated to me that everything needs to be a struggle. And I had a real belief system that for me to be successful, it had to hurt and it had to be a struggle. And then here I am sitting with all this time on my hands and no money, but time. And this person saying, no, you can, you can do whatever you want. You can like, it's okay. That's a bit problematic language is there. I don't mean that. Like you can do whatever you feel like your ambition wants to take you to, you can take the next step towards it. You might never get there, but you're allowed to take the next step. And that next step, you're allowed to be really happy doing that. That doesn't need to be a struggle. So I realized making my own music and being a music producer was, that was who I was. That's what I always have been. And I just had never allowed myself to embody that base because of fear because of lack of seeing any other people that I felt I connected with. I, all through my career, I felt totally unsupported by every, by all the close people in my life, in my music career, the people that were closest to me, like my bandmates and the musicians that I would hire often, and even some people like going on tour with, I felt really unsupported. And I only realized that at the start of 2020 that I need support. I can't, I can't be the support in every project. I need it sometimes. So that was, yeah, that was when I decided like, I am a music producer this entire time. I've been making music on my terms and in the way that I want. So now from this point onwards, I'm actually going to push that to the forefront of my career instead of it being some kind of like secret in a cupboard in the back of my head that I'm a bit scared to just say. So that was only at the start of 2020. And the first thing I'd done was find support. That was the first thing I'd done because I, I, like I said, I'd identified that I didn't have it. And I'd done that through firstly applying for that fund. It was the Transmission Fund, Help Musicians UK. Very, very lucky and grateful that I got that and got a life coach but secondly I just got in touch with all the women I knew that were even like even not in my network but like the next level out my network and says hey can I have a Skype or a Zoom with you um, for like half an hour and pick your brains about being a music producer because I really want to be one and you are one and I really admire the work that you do and I would just love to be able to chat to you and people were just beautiful and really really supportive um, so that's how I done it I just surrounded myself with women who were doing what I want to do and who I respected and admired because I totally totally believe that we are just so affected by the environment that we have around us even in a digital format so I just created that environment and that's where FaZe came from. That was, it sounds quite selfish actually, but I, I started FaZe because I just wanted to be surrounded by amazing women, amazing people who were music producers and who were, who I just weren't seeing all the time, who didn't have this kind of really um, laddy, full on, energy about them but people instead who had a really open communicative um like community vibe about them so because that's what I wanted to be so that was how I started that's I feel like I hacked it a little bit by doing that so thanks everybody if you're listening <laughs>
That's a wonderful story. Uh, you have completely inspired me now. And uh, I mean, I've already joined FIS, but now I, I'm going to be a, a much more active member because this is, this is wonderful. I, I can really relate to everything you're saying. I think 2021 has, well, 2020 and now 2021 has really been a, a space for people to take a little bit of time out of their usual routine and kind of take take a step back and and um and have an overview of their life and sometimes this has been you know not so pleasant because maybe it's you realize oh my life is not what i wanted it to be but then that's also an opportunity to go okay well how do i want it to be and we are lucky enough that we can make these changes you know we do have most of us a roof over our, over our head we are privileged enough and i think it's important not to use this privilege to feel guilty but instead to use it well you know because it's an insult to to you to just feel guilty about your privilege not even using it uh, you know i think there is a responsibility there um so <clears throat> so if anybody uh, wants to join phase they need to be uh, either either women producer or non-binary um, uh, producers, and it's a group on Facebook. Is that correct? Yes. So we have a group on Facebook, and we're a really like for we're a community that's we want it to be as safe as it, if, as we possibly can make it, considering it's on the internet, which in and of itself can be a very difficult space, of course. Um, but we're not exclusive. So we are inclusive as much as possible. So anybody who wants to join, who can support, that can support a space where everyone within that space feels safe and comfortable to put their hand up and ask a question. For us, that's kind of like the bar. That's the, the leveler. If you feel like you can ask a question, no matter how stupid you might think the question is, because that's always the caveat, isn't it? Oh, it's a stupid question even though there's no such thing. But as long as that is continued to, that's in the fabric of the space, then that's that's what we're aiming for. So yeah, we're a Facebook group um, initially. That's how we started. And now we're also currently um, in the middle of production on doing a podcast where we're interviewing other music producers in the community and just finding out how they started and, and we're taking a deep dive into one piece of their work and they start they can tell us about how they actually produced the work. Um, so we're a podcast too. We're going to be running some events coming up the second half of the year. So there's a mixture of things, spaces, experiences uh, for people. And we're growing like we're all volunteers. There's only... there's. There was three of us um, that set it up. Myself, another producer, Jen Athen, and then a producer called Jigsaw Tiger. Um, unfortunately, Jigsaw Tiger got COVID during at the very start of of um, of phase, but she's doing a lot better now, which is so shout out. Hello, I hope you're feeling better. Um, but yeah, so the three of us just kind of passing it around. So we're we're slowly just building, building the foundation of it. And we've got great ideas and great ideas for expansion. But for right now, it's just having that space to inspire, to network, support and a bit of education through our YouTube channel where we're doing some tutorials. Just straightforward information like knowledge should not be hoarded. Knowledge doesn't belong to man, right? It doesn't belong to uh, uh, anything, anyone. Knowledge 
it's in its essence like it only exists if it's shared otherwise it's a secret right so um we're all about just sharing any knowledge that we've got not as experts but just as people who utilize this stuff and then just seeing how that filters out and so far it's been it's been doing really well and that's the most beautiful thing about phase is when somebody has a question everyone piles in with answers and you're like there's an abundance of knowledge where sometimes it can feel like it's a dark art and it's really hard to find out information and that's we're trying to demystify all of that so yeah that's what phase is at the moment kind of a little mixture of things going on (laughs) and by the way how did you get uh, how did you come up uh, with the name phase how did we come up with a name? Because we had literally exactly one million other names. And we originally <laughs> were called Women Producers Meet. And and that was problematic. I got called out on using women with an X um, because I just hadn't I didn't hadn't educated myself enough on the how exclusionary that that term, that word was. So we quickly were like, let's change the name. This isn't this isn't what we want it to be. We need to we need to do better. And so, yeah, we sat, we had like a million names and it literally is just a word. It doesn't stand for anything. We were really adamant that we didn't actually want it to be, um, like we didn't want it to stand for anything. And we also didn't necessarily want it to have like a genderized word in it, you know, so like women or female or girl or anything. Um, and we just wrote it down and we liked it. It's kind of, it's that, that's it. It's a really boring story, actually. <laughs> but we had just like tons of names, like Equalize Her and all this stuff. And it was like, mm, still really, it doesn't really work. And then Phase, it was just simple. And really that's essentially what we're trying to do is like demystify and simplify music production so that anyone can just jump in uh, and, and start it and work with us and ask a question. So we felt like it worked quite well there. Right. So yeah, that's where the name came from. <laughs> and uh, so I know that collaboration is very important to you in general. So do you offer uh, opportunities for collaboration in phase? Well, we've got some stuff coming up really soon, actually. Um, so at the moment, there's there's nothing being offered as such at the moment. We just launched on the 5th of April. So we're building, we're trying to build our mailing list. And we're just continuing in the Facebook group, just with a lot of conversation, um, sharing a lot of knowledge and doing our tutorials every Monday on our YouTube channel. Um, However, coming up, we've got a few events, a few remix opportunities. um, So various things that people can jump into if they want. I also run another group on, based on Facebook called Sunday Songwriting which kicked off way at the start at the start of lockdown in 2020. Um, there's tons of opportunity for collaboration as a producer in that group as well. That's predominantly a songwriting group. And there's a good few hundred people in there now. But we're actually, as we speak, so as we're recording this, it's the 4th of May. Um, we're in the middle of a three-week, three-song challenge where challenges to write and finish a song in a week and do that for three times and we all meet on zoom and and share it but a lot of phase and a lot of that group crossover as well um so if you're in phase through proxy of me (laughs) there there is various other things but definitely please do watch this space if you are interested in collaborations or just like remix submissions 
um, and we've got something planned for uh, Make Music Day as well, which is coming up in June. So there is some things on the horizon for sure to jump into and get stuck into. Right. Well, I think it would be uh, good also to talk a little bit about your own music. And uh, you've got a single that has come out called uh, There is a, a Universe. Inside of you, there is a universe. So do you want to just tell us uh, about a little bit about that track? Absolutely. Yes. So this is the first track I've released in a good number of years. And I was very, very, very scared. And I felt... Um, Oh, it was a strange feeling. And I don't know how, if anyone listening who releases their own music, like, I don't know if it fe ever feels uh, less uh, scary. It's maybe not quite the right word, but I wrote this track um, kind of on Valentine's Day, actually, a few years ago. I had a real dip in my music making. Um, 2018, 2019, I really struggled. I just, I spent two years not doing any music. It just, I felt like a family member had died and I was grieving for them. Like music just disappeared and I was burnt out and I was unfocused. I was beating myself up. I just was not being kind to myself at all. I was really not in love with myself and I was becoming, I was becoming my own enemy. Um, so I took myself away um, to a wee, a wee recording studio in Bigger called Grand's House, um, run by a guy called Angus Lyon. And I just rented it out for a few days, totally alone. And it was super snowy. And he just had two beautiful pianos there. And over the three days, I was like, right, I'm going to write loads of music. I'm going to write loads of songs. This is going to be my time. You know, you burst out of this space that I'm in, that I feel trapped in this dry spell. And I wrote pretty much nothing. Everything I wrote, I was like, oh, that's rubbish. I don't like that. But then this song happened and I literally was crying as I just played it. And it's probably the most simple song that I've ever written. And I think there's a real reason for that. And for me, that song, this song, represents that turning point in my writing where I just let myself write what was in me instead of what I thought I should be writing or what I thought other people would find impressive you know or well that's a really smart chord sequence or kind of maybe like the downside of studying music is everything was academically graded you know when I studied composition it had to reach a certain level a mark and quite often complexity was part of that And I just, I was like, I, I don't, I'm not complex anymore. I just feel like I want to just love myself. And so, yeah, this song just came out of me that day. And it's really about my partner who, um, at the time, we, we had just met. And I didn't, yeah, I just, I didn't really know what was going on or where I stood. I just knew that I was really enjoying this person and like everything about them was so brand new to me, like everything about him. And I felt very much like he had this vastness within him that I'll never, I'm never going to understand. I'm never going to inhabit. I don't even want it. I don't want the vastness of him. That's his. And I've got minds. I'm like a well as well. So this song is just all about that experience of 
connecting with another person, but realizing you're just two entirely separate entities, two totally separate spiritual beings on this planet and this realm that you you can't in, intertwine. We've got this horrible narrative of we're not whole, that we're we need another person to feel whole and and it leaves people people believe it. They feel it, you know, and I've felt it before. Whereas at this stage of my life, I was just really respecting the separateness and enjoying it and loving that too. So that's what this song's about and is definitely a marker of my music being less about um, my ego and less about my pain and my suffering and more about the beauty of my life and more about the beauty within other human beings and that if I just put my ego down for two minutes, I can let some of that beauty in and I benefit from it. And then I become more beautiful and then I can give it to someone else. And it's it's just, it's like a, it's like a galaxy, you know, it just it, the chaos needs each other. It all needs, it, it. there is order within the chaos eventually. But um, yeah, so that's, that's a long-winded answer <laughs> to what the song. It's a really simple three-minute pop song, though, right? So it's not, it's not even that deep. It's just a nice song. <laughs> oh, it's very beautiful. I love, I love that song. I could, I, I've been listening to it on repeat. The, the piano is, it's just so evocative, and I mean, I could just hug you right now for for what you just said because. Um, I think it is a sign of maturity. You know, when, when we are growing up, uh, well, we don't know anything really, uh, except we don't even know ourselves. The only thing we can talk about is our experience. And I think as we grow older, we can sort of uh, move on. There's nothing wrong, of course, with talking about our own experience. It's, it is the first thing we, we have to do to really understand ourselves and the world. But I think then at some point, there is a time when we can get out of that of that um, milieu and explore further horizons. And also, you know, like you said, a song doesn't need to be uh, complicated to be good. In fact, uh, a lot of the best songs that have been written are extremely simple. But it's not the simplicity, it's the, um, the feeling that you are able to express through the music to reach somebody else's heart, if you like, or, or whatever you want to call it, spirit, soul. Um, so... That, that's that communication between two islands like you were you, you were allu alluding to so um thank you so much for for sharing that with us and uh, do you have anything coming up at the at, at the moment in terms of production of either your own music or other people's music that you'd like to share with the listeners yes yes so i've got another single coming out oh you heard it here first i've got another single coming out um in june I'm releasing a lot of singles this year because last year was was a year of inhalation and skill development and creating communities like phase and and sort of nourishment. And this year is a lot of action and output and expression. So I've got a lot of singles coming out this year. And I'm also working with an artist called Fenris based over in Berlin. And we've got some music um, coming out over this year as well, which is a totally different vibe from mine's and I'm, I'm just the producer on that side. Um, and along with that, there's Song Seeds Songwriting Retreats, which is another space that I helped develop with another music artist called Becky Wallace based in Glasgow. 
and that's in the last week of May from the 27th to the 30th. We are running a four-day online songwriting retreat for writers to come have some boundary around their time so that within those boundaries they can just go and write songs and there's workshops and tasks and support and collaboration all within that weekend as well. So yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, but those those are the main things coming from me soon. Okay, wonderful. So for the listeners out there, uh, if you want to know more about any of these things, just head on over onto the show notes where I will be posting the links to Rosie. So Rosie, thank you so much for really sharing your experience and, and, and telling our, us your story. It's been uh, really good to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for getting in touch and for allowing me this space as well to talk. I can talk a lot, so I really do appreciate it. Thank you. That was my guest, whom I'd like to thank once again for coming to the show. Every week I'll be chatting to fantastic indie performers to uncover what it really takes to be a female independent musician in this day and age and how we can support one another to keep shining our own unique light onto the world through our creative endeavours. So make sure you don't miss out by subscribing and leaving a review for Dare to be Seen. Thank you for listening. That's all for this episode of Dare to be Seen. Join the conversation on daretobeseencommunity.com and help us create an empowering community of independent female singer-songwriters, composers, and musicians who support one another. For show notes, resources, and information on today's episode, visit daretobeseenpodcast.com. And remember, shine your own unique light onto the world. It needs it.